Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, hello there. This is WTA Weekly. I'm Nick. This is Vanch. We're here to talk tennis. Vanch, how are you doing? Doing well, Nick. That was a really cool intro, and now I'm really excited to talk about tennis. <laughs> now, if you're if you're excited about the show based on how good my intros are, good grief, we're in for a spotty record. Anyway, so uh, um, I, I meant to say I meant the intro before we actually started. Oh, minutes. but your goodness. intro was great too. So, wow, both of them. Oh, that's, that's my ego deflated, which to be fair, it kind of needed to be, it's somewhat enlarged. Um, I mean, let's face it, I mean, I have to say from that intro, I think the main takeaway from it is like, that seems to be John's favourite photo of you. Um, and um, it, to be fair, you look like you are looking hopefully into the future of tennis um, in that <laughs> shot. Yeah, that was, uh, that was taken, I was in San Diego and... It was just uh, it was after the tournament was over and 
I was just kind of looking ahead. So, mm -hmm. well, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> as you mentioned San Diego, because I don't think there's a specific order that's obvious to talk about this in, um, about this week's action. Um, the let's talk about San Diego and let's talk about the San Diego champion. Hello, Nerlan, who is in the chat. Um, nice to see you. Um, San Diego champion Barbora Krajikova had a shot at winning a second 500 title of the season. Um, third, I think it would have been her third title. She won another one. Um, well, the I'll start the minute. Yeah. Um, but uh, I tarry. And, um, but she didn't because she actually lost from a set up against John Shin Wen, which actually might be harsh given from the brief clips I've saw, because this is the one match I've watched the least of. Um, Zhang Chin Wen like forced the comeback and is now wins the wins the title in Zhangzhou and is now a WTA 500 champion. Which in the current climate of like how packed those draws can be, that's a, that's a quite significant achievement. So um, yeah, I've kind of thrown you two players to give you thoughts on, but go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for Krajikova, it was a kind of a strange week in the sense, like, she got a retirement from Sorenko, and then she had the first... You had to mention that, didn't you? six games. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, I had to. How could yeah, I not? But, yeah, regular viewers will probably know what we're on about here. But anyway. Um... Uh, no, no, so, I mean, so she got the retirement, and I just think, like, she maybe wasn't as battle-tested as Zhang along the way to the final. <laughs> and so she went up a set, and... You know, Zhang played extremely well to, to come back and win the second, started out really strong, and then had all the momentum in the third. And then the third was kind of back and forth with the two of them. And, you know, there were there were like some chances for Krachikova in the, in the fourth game. A couple of break points, I remember, but Zhang just saved them brilliantly with two really big serves and got out of that game somehow and managed to go up a break twice. But each time Krachikova did well to claw back. And then kind of in the San Diego app, uh, Open final, what happened is it was four all in the third. And it was Kennan who had the break chances, and it was Krajikova who came up clutch, held serve, and then broke to win the match. Well, in this case, she couldn't quite save both the break points. She managed to save one. And then on the next one, you know, I think Zhang just, she did really well to get a lot of returns back. And Krajikova made a couple of untimely errors off a forehand wing, and then, and then that was it. And Zhang was able to close the match out, and she served some of her best in the third set. And she really stepped it up. I thought she really embraced the whole environment of being, you know, Chinese in front of the crowd. And she, she just played really good aggressive front foot tennis throughout this whole week. Um, and, and I think it, it also dates back from the Asian games and the U.S. Open quarters. And she's put together a nice little stretch of like five or six tournaments now since Wimbledon, I would say. Because up until Wimbledon, I was like, okay, when is Zhang Xinwen going to happen? When is she going to happen? Everyone's been talking about her first half of the year. And she had some disappointing losses early in slams. She had to miss Indian Wells, had to miss Dubai. So And then there was this one... Fine. There was the, there were these matches she kept losing to Samsonova and and I was like you know okay when is she gonna get over the line and like actually win something 500 level or bigger so the fact that she did it at home in in China from a set down uh, against a pretty pretty tough player like Krajikova a Grand Slam winner and uh, you know if Krajikova had won this she would have been in the top 10 it's fine she's number 11 or 12 right now uh, she'll probably be in contention to win the WTA Elite Trophy. And if you'd asked me at the start of the year, I would have expected she would have been in the top 10, but she's there or thereabouts. Uh, and she didn't quite kick on after winning Dubai, but she has these great weeks. She had like four or five really good weeks this year. Uh, now the thing is, can she be more consistent moving forward? And can Zhang, uh, you know, 
take this into next year and you know potentially try to get into the top 10 make a year in finals push uh, because i think i think she has a lot of potential like i i saw it all really come together this week yeah, which we've been waiting for, as you said. Um, and it's interesting you saying, obviously, like, yeah, Zhang was named as a player, so we were told to watch out for uh, through the first half of the year. But arguably, we've been watching her for 12 months. I mean, yeah. Zhang was someone that, like, tennis fans may have clocked before, but obviously the day she kind of got on everyone's radar was when she was the one player to take a set off Sviantec in Roland Garros 2022. Yeah. And then since then, it's kind of been a bit, oh, well, what's what's happened? And... Yeah, you're right. With with that first title earlier in the year, and then the Asian Games, the Asian Games seems to have had given her a big boost. And yeah, if she turns up, if she's playing the Elite Trophy, which she should be, um, yep. I don't know where she is live now. Um, but yeah, I think she, I think she's like 18 or something in the race, yeah, so she should be in. should be then. in right because I think it's nine through 19, and then one yeah. wild card. Yeah, or 20th, depending on if they want to give a wild okay. card. But I don't know if they will because obviously Zhang's in there, unless they want to put another Chinese player in. Um, but uh, yeah, with the elite trophy taking place in China, you would have to put Zhang as a favorite there, right? Like she's um, clearly very comfortable playing um, playing there. She's got a great boost. Suddenly, yeah, she's... And, you've, and like that's going to be a packed field. It's going to be highly competitive. I would think so. so. The only my only thing is like I don't know if all these players nine through nineteen are actually going to play because like Sakari will probably want Sakari is number nine will probably want to go to Cancun as well. Especially card. since Mukova's a question mark. Yeah, Mukova's a question mark, so it's likely that maybe Sakari can get in somehow in the in the finals field, and then uh, yeah. Krachikova is playing the doubles in. I forgot she's actually playing the doubles in uh, the year end finals. So oh yeah, she so she's not going to be able to do uh, And then Kavitova has already shut down her season. Ostapenko, mm. I don't know if she'll be like really into it, but you know she'll she might give it a go. And then Benchic is like a question mark with her injuries as of late. So I think Samsonova should play it. I think Kudermatova should play it. Probably Kazakino will play it. Uh, it's you know like there's just there's some question marks there in that like nine right. through nineteen where it's like I don't know if half of those are even gonna participate. And that's the funny thing with the elite trophy, isn't it? Because um, you know, it's not the one we talk about. It's kind of like an afterthought of, yeah, that's happening. And it's it's a useful event because it actually traditionally gives someone great momentum going into the following season. Um, but you don't really think about it until it kind of happens and you're like, oh yeah, there's this event as well. At least that's how I find it. Um, I think it's a good idea, um, but it's it doesn't get a lot of attention because of the overall finals. Um mm-hmm. So I wish they had like a next gen finals. That's kind of my green. Yeah, I don't understand why. I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe because the women tend to break through younger. Maybe they didn't feel they need to, because yeah. that would end up being a very highly competitive tournament anyway. That was very likely to be in, in contention for the finals. But I would agree. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe once the WTA is in a better kind of financial state, it will probably be easier for them to put an event on like that and market it. Mm. Um, which yeah that's going to take a while probably yeah that's someone who knows what they're doing financially running it right um uh but yeah john chin wen uh yeah i think this is a there's something brewing with with her um i think she's definitely one to watch in 2024 and i think we could say that with a little bit more confidence compared to what we said when we were saying this last year about 2023 um, I mean, I rate anyone who wins a 500 very highly. Um, yeah. 
I, I think I think you know people kind of go, why do you rate someone who's won a five hundred so high? And I'm like, because most five hundreds are actually really really hard to win. Yeah, it's um, essentially all top thirty players every yeah. single time. Like it's the entry list for some of these events. It's like if you're twenty five or twenty six, you're sometimes having to play qualities. Yeah. So. And was was this one of those five hundreds? No. Was there still no. some very very good players in the draw? Yes. Yeah, I mean, she beat Sakari along the way. She beat Kalimina, who's been in a Rome final this year. Paulini is playing a lot better than even what her ranking says. She can really pack a punch for her size, and she's she's quite a quite a good player now, I would say, and Krichikova from a set down. So, yeah, these are all some, some really good wins because I, I did have some questions even when she got to the U.S. Open quarters. I didn't feel like she played. she was able to play her very best against Sabalenka in that quarterfinal, and I felt like the Jabor win was more about Jabor somehow finding a way to get to the fourth round despite being, you know, under the weather for most of the event, uh, rather than like, I don't know, maybe Jung like getting the credit for an amazing match that she played. And mm-hmm. so I couldn't quite tell like, you know, where is she at right now in her career? But this title, I think, is like the the biggest thing she's done so far, I'd say. Yeah, I'm I'm hesitant to say Jean Chin Wen is gonna win majors. Mm-hmm. um i'm not saying she can't because i definitely think she's got the talent to do it like have an amazing two weeks sure um not gonna write her off i do still I... Like she can get better in a lot of areas sure bet, no yeah i think like she has room for a lot of improvement like her serve can still get way better even though her serve was her serve somehow you know she's able to win a lot of free points because she's able to she has good direction on it she can sometimes bring the heat i think technically it could be a little bit more solid there's still a bit of a hitch in the in the swing, uh, in the service motion, and mm-hmm. like just overall, it could get more. You know, it could just set her up better than than sometimes. I know what you mean. It's a very wide stance yeah. she takes when she's serving, and it's almost like her racket face is a little bit open, like as she's, mm-hmm. you know, tossing the ball. And I just wonder if there's, you know, hopefully like long term, like also for injury prevention, but also just like, you know, just for more efficiency, like in that stroke technique wise like there's some room for them to tinker around with it because she's already got a, a great great uh racket head speed like when she does come through the shots and her baseline play is you know always front foot powerful aggressive um and i think she's constructing points a little bit better now and she has a better feel for like just you know winning winning many matches in a row like you know i think she's down for and she can win like five or six matches in a row at the highest level but i, I agree like the next step it still feels like a big one like, because mm. this is usually the hardest jump, like going from 18 through like to like being eight or nine in the world is like sometimes the hardest thing. Yeah, Because you have to win that extra match every week. Yeah. That's the thing. Or most weeks that you play. Um, you know, I did a deep dive into this once. Like I think it was one of the first things I ever wrote on my own blog. Um, and it was, you know, if you look at it, top 10 players to get the points they need, need to win on average at least three matches a tournament yeah usually typically if you average out how many points they get and then you look at the ranking structure and same across men and women um so it does take that extra yeah i mean you've got to be winning at least like 70 percent of your matches at minimum two-thirds i would say so that means uh, like winning two or three matches every event which Mm. is um, yeah i mean if you play like 18 events a year you got to do that for like at least 14 or 15 of them. Mm. And then you can have the odd bad loss here or there, but then it's, yeah, like that consistency is really required. Unless you just have a really big run somewhere and you just, you know, win a, 
win a major out of the blue and then you just mm-hmm. you know lose early in some masters events like you can make it work but which which we kind of we've seen we see a fair bit on the women's tour let's be honest yeah um, yeah but but and it feels like we still do have a lot of winners like in these 500 like you know 10 winners and we did still get new major champions but i feel like there's a core group of like okay like you, can, you know there's like at least 10 to 12 now that can like on a, on a given week can if, as long as we see keep seeing those names over and over again i think that's that, that's really good and that's what makes wta tennis uh so interesting right now yeah. is that like with that if they and look you say with that with the quarterfinals and like we're getting like a I, I, I thought if the top seats make their way through the fourth round is fascinating yeah um i mean do you say like 10 or 12 names yeah i mean like for the 500s but then like for the for the for the majors and then for the 1000s it's it's like you know i mean i, I guess like amongst the like for instance our top eight right now is really strong like the yeah. the field for cancun is like one of the best i've ever seen and i, I know i'm yeah. really hoping everyone can who's made it to cancun can play it um yeah. a little bit but, worried about but so am i apart from that i think yeah i mean and, and if sakari does get in i mean that's still a really strong field so yeah given she's won guadalajara yeah yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree. Uh, but like, yeah, you're right. As a 500, yeah, it's super competitive from round one. That's mm-hmm. what I like. If a WTA 500 is happening, I am usually really, really excited. Yeah. Um, and I know that the the way 500s are at the minute is kind of controversial because obviously we know the top players aren't allowed to play 250s unless it's in their home country. Um. Yeah. So I appreciate that's controversial because it's it's causing major issues for smaller tournaments. It might be creating burnout among the top players. But in terms of the sporting product it offers, it's one of the best out there. So it's really tough to kind of for me to kind of criticize it because mm-hmm. what gets produced is brilliant. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. Like, I, I do want some, I do like it when lower player, lower ranked players, like, get the opportunities and they get to play those those tournaments. But at the same time, I like the fact that it's all, you know, basically the, the very best. And it's almost like, yeah, uh, occasionally you do have, like, one or two wild, wild cards. You still get the surprises. You still get all the great storylines. Uh, and if they're, they're really going to go ahead and go through with this, then, you know, I mean, the 500s and 1000s and made like there's not going to be that much separating them. No. Because as, as it is already, like the 1000s feel very similar to the majors because of the like two week format and the 96 majors. Mm. I mean, the 96 uh, player draws in a lot of these events. Mm. Um, like, yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, every sport finds a way to elevate its biggest events. You know, if I think about, um, you know, um, golf. Um, to win a major, you have to win an extra day. You have to go an extra day compared to every other event. Um, if you are playing, um, I'm, I'm trying to think like team sports is a bit different um, as a general rule. Um, but like um, snooker, which is probably only really popular in the UK, um, that's, you know, they have like three major events. And for those, you have, to, it's a bit like the men's best of five. Like it takes, a li- you have to win a few more kind of games to secure a match um they call them frames in snooker um uh there are other yeah other other sports it's kind of a bit different like you know team sports don't really have majors in the same way like 
um like if you the nfl is all about the super bowl right um that's you know that's what everyone's trying to win at the end of the season there's only one big prize um football soccer in the uk uh well around the around around different countries obviously it depends on like you've got your three domestic trophies um but those are the and then the champions league but those are the only competitions you can enter yeah. So it's not like they can be elevated above others, apart from a few like exhibition trophies. So tennis is an interesting place with that. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I mean, I think the, what they're trying to create is kind of similar to to Formula One, where it's the top players, it's the top athletes every single week, kind of thing. Um, yeah. The the difference between Formula One is there is no one event that's more important. Than any others they're all weighted equally there's some with a little bit more prestige depending on like uh the like maybe the the track they're racing on um but it's worth the same as everywhere else um and uh but you do get the top guys playing every single week but they are starting to run into trouble where people are going it's super congested which is conversations we're having around the tennis calendar as well yeah, we we're seeing a lot more players like speak up about mainly about the balls, mm-hmm. uh, but also like about the scheduling and like with the effect with the Billie Jean King Cup being so close to the year end finals, for instance. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And we've seen that a couple of times, right? We've seen a couple of news stories this week. And I'm sorry if people may be listening in hoping for us to talk about the results. We will get there. But let's talk about the news around the WTA. It's mainly the WTA. We've had Eva Lease pulling out and becoming uh, an event. Mm-hmm. Can't wait which one it was. Um, saying, um, "Oh, she's she like other players is concerned about the injuries from changing balls week to week." Um, I yeah. don't know enough about the insides of why the balls change each week, why that happens, um, and the conditions. Yeah. I mean, obviously, conditions are going to be different in different countries anyway. But I don't understand how that works. So maybe you might have an insight into that. I think it has to do with like the tournaments and the you know the which ball manufacturer they're sponsored by. So the players so really ideally, ideally you want one more one ball manufacturer for every tournament. Yeah, ideally you do. Although you also have to because um, it depends on like you know how it reacts with the court surface because mm. you know some 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 are like faster. So in that case, players prefer like slower balls for the faster surfaces, but not too slow to the point where you get arm injuries because that's been the main main complaint is like these balls just make it really hard in terms of how it reacts with our strings and then you got to mess with your tension and your weight of racket like i remember junction when like earlier in the year when she didn't have great results she said in a wta interview that i read with uh, courtney newman of wta insider actually where she pointed to like how she had to tinker with her racket and her strings so many times because of the balls and how they're just changing every single week and like basically like even the u.s swing it was like different balls different weeks i wonder if there's some way that tennis can do like per swing we have one ball you know so at least it's yeah. like okay like clay court season okay like yes we're playing an altitude and sea level but at least there's like one 
ball manufacturer and maybe they just like mess around with it like they do with rackets like you just add an extra layer of paint or you add like something else to it mm. so where it's like basically the same structure same material same felt everything but it's just mm. you know it's more lively in some surfaces and less lively in others because I think I, I, thing would help I because then that would benefit the racket the ball manufacturers because at least they could potentially be the ball for the swing yeah um and then also like like also what players complain about is like when the balls are new and you rotated them after every seven games and they fluff up really quickly so it's like and then you have new balls mm. and then you have to get used to that whole thing but i, I think it's just going to be an ongoing thing and, and mm. the more players speak out about it maybe the more uh, leverage that they'll have but it's tough to really say because the tournaments are the ones that have a lot of the say in tennis majority of the time because that's how the structure works like 50 percent players 50 percent tournaments but mm. uh and there usually has to be some compromise but that's why yeah. like the ptpa i guess exists and we'll see how how much traction that can realistically build i mean now let's face it the ptpa is is very good at saying stuff but how much influence it has um yeah uh, it will take a lot of time but like because i mean they do have like wta representation at least finally which is which is good to see and they do have like a board now with like other player people outside of tennis who have like business backgrounds finally come in but i think it's a long way away from really having any any kind mm -hmm. of an impact when it comes to like overthrowing the main structure you know or at mm -hmm. least because right? this main structure is still main entities in the sport still kind of see them as a threat and so mm -hmm. that doesn't exactly help when you have to work together with them uh sean actually had a good question in the chat um which was um how many different ball manufacturers are there? I'm trying to think That's of the top of head. I know Wilson and Slazenger. I think pen balls do also exist during pen. the clay court season. Uh, you pen, get Dunlop in the UK, but I don't think they go outside. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I wish there was more data on this, honestly, and it was more publicly available. A lot mm. of this is you don't really have a lot of access to. No. And like obviously I think a lot of people will try and We'll try and work it out. And then the other kind of non-tennis news there was was um which I actually wanted to talk about it. Oh, Babalat, thanks, John. Um yeah. that um the apparently most of the top 20 or a big chunk of them, apart from the Americans, uh that seem to be pointed. I can't remember who tweeted this. I think it might have been John Wertheim, um saying that they're they're asking for like a minimum income and also saying that the calendar is too congested um similar um initiative to what the atp's rolled out the numbers they've kind of put up from what i've seen i haven't dug too deeply into it they're kind of getting a lot of players at that sort of level they're asking at are getting it anyway um they just wanted to be kind of guaranteed um so i don't necessarily have a i mean i like i don't really want to go necessarily too deep into the yeah you know, guaranteed payments thing because that could be a podcast in and of itself I'm happy to have that discussion. I want to. It's, it's an area I want to learn about. I know somebody did point out that, like, could the WTA afford it? Potentially not, right now. But um, say the numbers. I didn't necessarily think the numbers they were proposing was unreasonable. But I think the, my main question, looking at it coming out of it, was, you know, the top players are saying the calendar is too congested. Okay, fair enough. I wouldn't argue with that, um, actually. Um, but I'm curious to know what they think what how many events they think they want to be able to play every year because then i would go with okay we say there's no more like 
you say okay if you you play no more like obviously there's a limit anyway because like 16 tournaments count towards wta ranking yeah um like you say okay well if we're going to do this sort of grand prix seat style thing you do your majors you do your thousands and then you only have six weeks worth of 500 so you might double stack them um a bit like the atp does um say if you would want to say put 16 as the limit um but i would really be interested to know what oh, i was right it was john wertheim um uh what what number they want to put on it saying that like the demands of the tour like what wouldn't be demanding because that's the specifics i want to know because i'm interested yeah um i guess this seems fair in terms of the in terms of like the number 100 player probably makes like around 500 k the mm. whole year if you like looked at their year to date prize money or something like that yeah. so they want it to be a guarantee because that because because that's interesting because other sports have that like you know, and the atp's like, just introduced it yeah so with the with the wta yeah i i don't know if they can actually do it in, their, in terms of their budget right now yeah because i don't think the wta has money to do it right now but i don't think it's an unreasonable request yeah so 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 i definitely would i, I like if, if players want to advocate for fighting for more like I, i'm kind of for it right now because mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like uh, you know that, that that's how change is like supposed to happen like you're just supposed to come together unified and like propose it because you don't ask you're not you don't really have a lot of sway in in getting as long as you're reasonable with it right so mm. this seems reasonable to me yeah um, in terms of the money uh, yeah. what do you think about the tournaments point mm, yeah i mean if the tournaments are like for instance like if we need to get like the year-end finals thing sorted out because that's like that's throwing everything under the chaos mm. right now like we need to have a date you need to have a time set way early in advance so you can actually market the event you can actually you know like when it's happening so players can actually plan their schedule around it and i think that's like the big point because i heard that it's like gonna go to saudi arabia for like three years and it's like you know we, we're, we're gonna have this in cancun hopefully it'll be a good turnout mm. but it's just kind of a mess with like you know the facilities like not really being nearly ready i'm sure they'll be ready by the time it's it's done but i just wonder like how much interest will there actually be in terms well, of did point out that like it's the similar it's a similar kind of setup in miami yeah uh, and we all thought the same about guadalajara and guadalajara ended up being a brilliant okay. tournament yeah i guess um, more brilliant like the... host for the wta finals that's why they got a thousand off the back of it yeah uh, the 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 crowds in Latin America are usually really good, so I'm mm -hmm. hopeful that we'll be able to sell a lot of tickets. And it would just help if it was planned, you know, like a month before, even because like six weeks out is really like pushing it. All right. Well, I think we should probably get back to actual on-court action. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, people have been waiting for half an hour for us to actually talk about the people in the title of the video and the podcast. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> um, hello, podcast listeners. I know you're actually out there. Um, so, any other players besides uh, Jabor and Kritikova that you think we should touch upon? I mean, I know Paulini had a good week. Well, in Jiang, in, in um, Jiangzhou. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, not really from Jiangzhou. I think I'm keen on moving to other tournaments. Yeah, let's do um, it. Um, so let's talk about like trying to segue neatly here. Um, the let's talk about a player who 
um, has definitely played a lot of tournaments this year, will be in Cancun, and is well known for already having a lot of money. And that's Jessica Pagula. Um, so she uh, uh, won a 250 title in Seoul. I believe it's her first title outside of the US, but don't quote me on that. No, Mexico. Um, yeah, maybe outside North America. But outside anyway, America. Um, I don't, I think I heard that. I'm actually wrong. North American country, actually. So this one. Yeah. But, you know, she won the 215 Seoul, saw the final there. You probably did as well. Like, my take on it was she was definitely brilliant all tournament. Yuan did come back at her in the second set and made it quite competitive. And actually, the second set was a really good watch. Like, they were both super, like, the athleticism from both was brilliant. Um, and, uh, uh, but, like, Pagula was obviously, is obviously the top-ranked player. Um and uh, she got through it and she was the stronger player on the whole, more consistent, which you'd expect. Um, so this title very much deserved. And maybe this is what she needs going into Cancun because match wins are match wins regardless of who you beat. And that's going to build confidence. And, you know, if she's feeling fresh going into Cancun with some momentum, that's going to make her stronger because we've seen that she is able to beat the big names. There. She's beaten Shviontek twice this year. She's beaten Goff this year. I don't know about Rebecca and Sabalenka. I'd have to check that head to head. Um, but yeah, I think this has to be a very good result for her. And, you know, the crowd absolutely loved that second set. You could tell they were super impressed with the tennis they saw. So win win all round, I say. Yeah, pretty good. I think she was mainly playing this tournament because of, you know, her mom being from Seoul and from South Korea. and. That was why she was really playing this because even though she qualified for Cancun, she's keen on you know returning to her roots basically and playing in front of her home crowd and then picking up match wins because she's a player who just loves to play matches, singles, doubles, mix, mm -hmm. whatever it is. She'd rather play than practice, and she uses I... these kind of weeks and just gets gets more matches in and she wins and she does it really well and she hits the ball deep and she's consistent and you know she makes. You play a certain level to beat her, and she had like maybe one offset this whole week, and that was against Claire Lou. She lost the first set. Some people on my timeline were, you know, a bit worried, like, oh no, like she's gonna lose to Claire Lou in a two fifty. That's bad. But um, <laughs> but I think, uh, but actually, like, uh, it turned out turned out to be a really good test for her, and she came back from a set down, and then really um, came through very nicely in the semis and, and finals. There weren't that many hiccups, um. And one to her credit, like actually fought pretty nicely in the in the second set. It was closer than what the score says of six three. Um, mm -hmm. Shame that she finished it on a couple of double faults and didn't at least make Pagula serve it out and yeah. hold there. But um, but I think like it was just yeah, it was one of those weeks that were like you looked at every single player that she played and you're like, okay, she's a heavy favorite. She's a heavy favorite. You're a heavy favorite. So she came through and she actually won another title. She doesn't have that many titles in her career. She has a lot of deep runs. So that's mm. kind of what she's known for. So, but now she has a couple two fifties, couple thousands, was in a couple five hundred finals this year. Lost one to Iga and then lost one to Kurumutova, which she wasn't too happy about because she played a really tight first set there, and then the second set kind of ran away from her. So I think this is this is probably a good thing because now she she got the confidence of this week. She'll probably have next. She'll have next week off, and then you know, and then Cancun is pretty much around the corner. So. I'm interested yeah. to see how she can do because I don't think the tournament will be indoors this year. Because no. if it's outdoors, then I like her chances a lot more of 
you know, depending on how the groups shake up, like at least winning. I think it's going to be matches. it's going to be outdoors. Um, I mean, I'm having a look at her records against Sabalenka and Brackner because yeah. we know what it is against Sviontek. Um, and mentioned Goff earlier. So Sabalenka is four-one up in that head-to-head. Goff, uh, Pagula beat her the first I time they ever played in Cincinnati 2020. But I then this year, though, right? No. Yeah. So and then her head-to-head with Rabakin is interesting because they've played three times. Pagula's 2-1 up, but Rabakin won the most recent meeting in Miami this year, which is the only time they've yeah. played this year. Yeah. So, yeah, she's she's. I think she's going to be competitive. I do too, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see which like group she falls in because she and Coco, like they, they keep going back and forth and they always, you know, have good matches. And then if she has, like, I don't know, uh, one Drusova or a Sakari or someone like that in her group, like there's there's going to be chances for her. Yeah, I'm trying. Right, so. you know, it's something I kind of charged myself to and I got really stuck with it because I was like, oh my word, I don't know what what kind of dream setup would be, like what this would be. But when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you have like an ideal group draw for the WTA finals? I haven't like, really thought of that, actually. That's a that's a good uh, yeah. thing. We know Shiontek and Sabalenka can't be in the same group. They're going to yeah. be in different groups. And then one of them's going to have to... And then obviously you've got Rabakina and Goff. So which one's going to be better in which group? Mm, that's... That, that, like, that's what competition? Like that, and then, yeah, yeah, you can't have Pagula and... I think it's Von Drusheva in the same group. And then it's Jabur and... Mukova bringing up the rear. Mm. I'm going to make sure I'm right on that. Oh, no, maybe not. Let's have a look. I would Race. like to see some matchups that we haven't seen already, just to see how they shake up. Like, I would want to see Pagula and Sabalenka play each other in a round robin. Yeah, because they haven't done that. Yeah, so, like, I would want to see that. I would want to see Pagula play Wondrosova again. Well, they wouldn't be able to until at least the semifinals. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're five and six. Five and six. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Huh. So that's right. So like so yeah, so we've already got kind of half a group. So Sabalenka Pagula, okay. so that would put Shviontek and Von Drusheva in the other. I see. Um, and uh, then I mean we've seen Iga and Coco play a lot this year already. So. We've seen Iga and Elena play a lot this year. We have, yeah. Although so, that would be that would be fun to see again, just because you know they could have met more and they haven't. Yeah. And I don't, because obviously, like, at what point do we want? Yeah, because then obviously, if so you put Iga and Elena in like one group and then put Goff with Sabalenka and have a US Open final rematch in the group stage. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I haven't really thought about it much. No, no, it's like I'm literally putting you on the spot here. And then, but we, we've always got it, to be fair. Like, then the only other one is Mukova and Jabir that we need to put in. Yeah. Um, Like, do we want to put Mukova with Sabalenka or Sviontek? Because she's got two wins against Sabalenka and pushed Sviontek in the one meeting they had. So she's good in either, if she plays. I wonder how Jabor versus... I mean, Jabor and Mukova can't play each other. No, uh, not until it's the semi-finals. Not until the semis, right? So, 
So I would, I want to see that. I mean, like, hey, why do we just hope that top four seeds all lose and it's five, six, seven, eight in the semifinal and further? I mean, like six through eight has been really strong recently in, in most of the WTA finals. Like, I think Garcia was like six or seventh, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be on the realms. Um, I guess. Okay. What if you had one group being Sabalenka, Goff, Pagula, and... Uh, Mukova, hmm. and then the other one being Sviantek, Rabakina, Vondrusheva, Shabur. Yeah, I like we that. Had much? We haven't had an eager Shabur yet. Yeah, they were, although they we were, have, but it, we got it got stolen from us yeah. due to injury. Yeah, that doesn't really count. So yeah, that, that, those would be pretty good. Like Iga Jabur, Iga Mukova again. Hmm. Um, like we'd be spoiled for choice yeah. either way. Yeah. Like, and we're going to be spoiled for choice. Like, like they're all good. Honestly, they're good. all good. Like, I, can't think of a, yeah. I can't think of a bad group we could get. Right. Yeah, it would just... Like, not unless it somehow ends up being, like, eager and... Because she doesn't really have any, like, people she's got a massive matchup advantage with. Maybe if eager had Coco, Pagula, and Ons in one group, that might be her dream group. Mm. Matchup-wise. But even yeah. then, there's no guarantee because they've all, like, with the exception of Joubert, like Pagula and Goff have got wins against us this year. Yeah, this is like one of those final fields where I feel like everyone has a win against everyone at some point. Mm. So far. But, but that's of like, yeah, I mean, Bodrum's supposed to be newer in the group, but. Yeah. Be... Obviously, American and Czech fans will probably want their players in different groups. Yeah. <laughs> try and stretch it out but yeah okay that's Pagula yeah um, was there uh, yeah you, you were very positive about Yuan I agree I mean I find, how you pronounce that name I'm trying to I'm trying not to say Yuan which would be wrong Yuan um, I think something like that Yuan okay it's like yeah uh, yeah so yeah she, she did a good job this week in Seoul I don't think there's any other meal stories from that event yeah, I don't think there's anything else in terms mm. of talking points for so. All right. So, final event uh, that was played this week was um, Fernandez against Siniakova and Fernandez winning the Hong Kong Open, third title of her career. This was vintage Fernandez all week. She was at her battling best. Um came from behind to beat Siniakova in what was a really, really good final. It was really tight all the way through. Siniakova could have won it. There was so many momentum shifts. No one could hold. Like, they were both right in the edge of service games. Um, abso absolutely brilliant um, run um, from Fernandez. I actually think it's that Andreva match that um, really pushed her forward because she was down and she'd already lost Andre earlier in the year and the way she came back and like okay Andreva faded a bit but that was you could tell from Fernandez it made a lot meant a lot to her winning that match and I I looked at that and I went I think she might be winning this title now um which I'm going to be biased I, I am biased I I Fernandez is one of my favorite players and yeah. I'm so happy she won and it was so great to see her playing good tennis again so um yeah. yeah great obviously very happy about that result 
Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, really good final with Siniakafa. It was a real battle. It was nice to see two very crafty counter punches doing their very best against each other. Um, yeah, I really yeah. like the the matchup service to be because Siniakafa can really blast away on her backhand and she has these injections of pace and then you got Fernandez with all her angles and her crafty shots and taking the ball early and she's uh, she's she was serving a little bit better and it just seemed like it was matching up really nicely for both playing well at the same time and for quite a bit of the match actually like there were there were some patches where they they were making errors sure but it was um it was mostly just absorbing a lot of what was coming at, at them and reacting in fast time so i think it was it was pretty good to see uh, fernandez like just put together win after win after win and actually go on and win win a title again for the first time since monterey which she's won twice and um, you know, I, I think it could have even come sooner for her, but like she's just been running into, you know, tough early round matches. And like I remember, I was there in San Diego when she played her dodge Maya, and that was a good hard fought match too. But she just came on the losing end of that. And then like other matches, like first round of U.S. Open, she drew Alexandrova, which is like such a tough first round. Uh, and then like, yeah, like she made the quarters in Guadalajara, so it's like kind of been building. Where I felt like she was starting to get better and better and better, and now she's. Now she's like actually legit. She could be seated for the Australian Open, which is which is which is pretty good for her because yeah. she missed a lot of time last year with that uh, injury that she had in Roland Garros. That was so unlucky. I felt really bad yeah. for her in that Roland Garros match against Trevisan because I think if she was actually healthy all the way through and she didn't have the foot issues, there were real chances for her in that event to go go further even and maybe even get to the final. Although you never know, golf would have been tough. But still, uh, I would have loved to watch that. Goff Fernandez yeah. on clay, here for oh, it. Would love that. Love that. Yeah. If they're both playing well. Yeah. And and then she was like playing some of her best tennis around that time. And it wasn't as much of a hangover after the US Open as it was for Raducanu for a lot of other reasons. But uh it's just it's just like really good to see her like put it together because she lights up crowds in in ways that like I haven't seen very often from young players before because everyone just remembers that run. And they know like what she's capable of, and she just has this exciting, charismatic personality too. On top of it, so it's kind of yeah. I think she's one of those players that feeds off a crowd. Yeah, very much so. Um, other otherwise, like she pro she might struggle to generate motivation. I don't know. Like we're getting someone's head, and we don't know that. But um, she, I think the move with playing like one or two good weeks a year. I think she's one of those players. Yeah, like, and I also think like playing doubles with Townsend is like a good move at this point mm -hmm. in her career. Like, I think that could pay off in the long run, um, because it's just yeah, like you know, hanging out with someone who is much more experienced and been through the grind in the way that Townsend and has, and the chemistry that they have when they seem to play those doubles matches. I I feel like a lot of that energy just rubs on Layla, and she's like a sponge every time she's with the court with, she's on the court with uh, Taylor, and. Uh, yeah, like I, I just think it's like a good year for her to like work her way back up, and then next year, like it's just setting herself up really good for next year if she can just stay healthy. And like I have to sometimes remember she's only twenty. I think she yeah. just turned twenty this year, which is like she's only a few months younger than you know than you, like Alcaraz on the it, men's side. Which Layla, yeah, wasn't she? Didn't she turn nineteen in that U.S. Open run in? She did, yeah. So, so I think. Oh, sorry. She's twenty-one. I mean, twenty-one. Yeah, she's born in two thousand two. Yeah. So, just turned twenty-one. Yeah. I mean, she's still like, 
so young. So I think she's already won three 250s. She has a slam quarterfinal and a slam final now. And she also got her first master's quarterfinal this year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it could have been could have been even more if, you know, if there were more points on the table for her. Mm-hmm. But I think having gone through that injury is probably a good thing. Yeah. And I'm well up for her being seeded because it would just, yeah, as you say, stop the ridiculous draws that she's been getting. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, great box office first round, but very frustrating to see as a fan. Right, because uh, I feel like she's someone who needs to build momentum through a tournament. Yeah. Um, I feel like that. I felt like that Azarenka match was building up nicely, but then no. Uh, yeah, she unfortunately Azarenka yeah. got hurt. But the Andreva match, though. Yes, that was a big. That was a big scalp, actually. And Andreva has been losing a lot of these close three set matches, but really showing coming out really you know strong in the first set and winning them a lot of the times and really imposing her game. But, uh, but you know she's sixteen, and so. Yeah. She, that the, the closing those kind of matches out yeah takes experience it, it does i mean obviously she's probably done it at lower levels but yeah. you know it's the the elite level it's the it's the main tour yeah. um like the, the caliber of players you're playing against you have to readjust expectations for mm-hmm. so yeah she'll learn it she'll figure it out goff did in the end yeah she'll she'll learn she'll accept the fact that you know you'll have a level dip and their opponent will raise their level and you just have to have to kind of adjust and you know, put that behind you. And sometimes the, she lets the disappointment linger for a little too long, maybe in, in some situations. And that, that hurt her, for instance, against Goff at the French and that match against Keys at Wimbledon and then against Robakina last week and then now here. So that's like four big examples. But she's, you know, getting herself in those positions and winning enough matches to face them. So I think she's like, you know, already top 50 or something and like i don't really think i don't really have much of a doubt that in two or three years she'll be winning these type of matches mm. like pretty regularly because i just feel like she has such a complete game already yeah and, i i agree and she's got a fantastic tennis iq so yeah. i'm very confident in her ability to work it out um yeah. but yeah we definitely shouldn't be predicting her to win slams at 17 18 um yeah. i think that would be pushing a little bit like that's 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 setting a high standard which we've seen so many times play like people rip into place when they don't reach um um yeah and, and do you know what's something point Akava, great week in hong kong um but um yeah visualize that obviously the doubles partners lost the, the the doubles team lost they both lost their finals um yeah they really do win and lose together um but she's had a great week as well yeah very good week um, she beat she beat that match against Pavlyuchenkova was yes was uh, was pretty impressive actually. Pavlyuchenkova was looking good. Yeah, she was looking really 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 strong, like hitting the ball better, bigger, and striking it better than I've seen like in a really long time. And then the way she beat um yeah like even the Trevisan, the way she was able to just close her out very comfortably. Um, yeah, because so, yeah. Trevisan like raised some eyebrows by getting to the semis. Yeah. Um, but and, and then she, she she could have she could have won this match too. She she actually fought really well in the third set because she she got hurt. She yeah. hurt her like she already had her left quads tape, but then Leila was chasing down this excellent drop volley, and then you know she falls and she's she does a bit of a miss misstep at the very last minute and trips, and then she gets treated for a medical timeout. But then afterwards, actually, really came out and. And still fought. She was a little limited at some point, kind of injured, you could tell, but still managed to break Layla twice. 
get it to four all, just like in the critique of a Shin Wen final. And then Fernandez finally pulled through at the end, which it could have ran away from her too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because like th- yeah, you're right. That match could have gone either way. Siniakova could well have we could be talking about Siniakova as the champion because th- I think that was a long juice game, like nine juices or ten juices in like four three in the yes. second. In like Siniakova could have lost the break, and that would have really put the momentum with Siniakova to finish her off. And then yeah, there was so many break exchanges in the third. Yeah, um, you're right. That second set was wild because she was up four love was Layla and then got she got pegged all the way back to four three and then she saved six break points in that game. And like I think five of those were with really good serves and serve plus ones afterwards and really good, saved all of them. It was good tennis from both. It wasn't a messy match. Yeah. Quality was very high. I, I have to say this was one of the stronger two fifties for sure in the whole mm-hmm. year. I think actually, you know, if if you watched all three two fifty finals, which you would have been able the okay, all three finals, the both two fifties and the five hundred you were in for a treat because they were all three good quality matches for yeah. different reasons. Yeah, for sure. And like all the winners this week, like they seem to be pretty popular champions in general. Yeah. So that's that's always a good week. Okay. Um, interesting. Um, cool. Um, right. Um, I think we're coming up to the end. Um, Obviously, um, very quickly, we've got some tournaments coming up in um, uh, uh, this week. Um, yeah, we've got Monastir, which is a 250, and then uh, we've got the tournament in Romania as well. Yeah. Huj. And then we have one in Nanjing, I believe, which is also a 250. Mm-hmm. Bit of yeah. a lower stakes week finally for the WTA, uh, just mm-hmm. because you know one of the top players either getting ready for the mm-hmm. year in finals or for the elite trophy. So yeah, um, right. Uh, I think yeah, uh, but like Monastir should be interesting. Obviously, we've got boots on the ground there, and um, question marks over whether Jabir is going to play. Um, yeah. But I think that could still be a very interesting tournament. It will be, I think. Um, obviously, Jabor was going to be like the main attraction, um, but I but that's that that's got to suck for her because that's like two years in a row where she hasn't been fully healthy for her home tournament. It sucks that it's so late in the year, so she doesn't get that uh, you know luxury of playing at home. And it's good that they they have the tournament in Tunisia because that'll just get more people into the game mm-hmm. just through on the story in general, even if she's not playing. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe Paulini can win her title there. And she's been building some momentum and playing some pretty good tennis. She's mm-hmm. the number one seed. And then number two seed is Martins, the defending champion who won it last year. And she's playing a pretty promising Philippines player in the in the first match. How, how do you pronounce her name? Alexandra Ayala? Ayala? Yala, I don't know. Yala? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll work on the pronunciation. But she qualified, and she's in the yeah. top two hundred, and that'll yeah. be fun to watch. Uh, that could be, yeah. I think Yala's a player with a lot of potential given her junior career. So I think that's definitely going to be a match that's worth watching. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to apologise for the abrupt end here, um, just to say that um, we have a couple of other tournaments going on 
in both 250s in Transylvania and Nanchang. Um, apologies, I'm not going to be able to do a full preview. I'm kind of on a limited time schedule here. Um, but um, yeah, so apologies for those who would be disappointed. But thank you so much, Vance, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Always great chatting with you. And um, yeah, hope um, everything, go, everything goes okay. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nick. This is always really, really good fun. And we have so many other good weeks coming up. I mean, not mm -hmm. for this for this whole year, we've got three or four really good ones. And I'm excited to see just how the year finishes as a whole with the landscape right now. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Um, appreciate your time. Um, I'll be back for WTA Weekly next week, where we'll be chatting around everything in the 250 and looking ahead to the Elite Trophy. We'll find out who's going to be in it. But in the meantime, everyone, keep talking tennis. Cheers. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.